Today we had the chance to talk to Gravier Romana, a rugby player from the University of Waterloo. We discussed his career and dove deep into what it was like to play rugby at a university level. G is an absolute animal and we love talking to him. It was exciting to hear a different perspective on what a rugby player has to go through. Also, at the start of this episode, we brought on another local podcast, Chump Talk. It was amazing to hear another podcast story and tips on how we could get better as a podcast for the listeners. Go check them out and enjoy the interviews. Please welcome to the podcast for a segment, Brady Gerber of Chump Talk. So how's everything going? It's going good. I've still been uh, working full time throughout all this. So uh, not much has changed for me, but other than um, everything being shut down. But yeah, it's good with me. Cool. Have you been golfing at all? Yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, it was my first year ever. I got a membership at the Elmira Elmira Golf Course. That's where I went to high school. So okay. a bunch of my buddies went there, and they have they have a really cheap uh, cheap discount if you're until you're over thirty, I think it is. So I, this is my first year getting a membership there. Cool. Oh, that's cool. You you enjoy it? I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I suck though. I shot <laughs> I, I shot I think one fourteen my first eighteen. And then I brought her down to uh, 94, so big okay. improvement. Yeah, that's, that's really that's good. Pretty, that's good. But, that's uh, impressive. I'm just hoping I'm hoping to get in the 80s a couple times. Or if I'm not in the 80s by the end of the summer, the amount I'm going to golf, then <laughs> I should never be allowed a membership again. I'd say. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. What's so I your... guess nothing much has changed for you. You're living a normal life except not being on gold places. Pretty much, yeah. We uh, I got married last summer, so me and my wife had a trip to Hawaii planned in April. So oh, cool. we paid for all our flights for that, but then, uh, but then that got canceled and didn't get any of our money back. So that's kind of shitty, but oh, oh really? yeah, but it's what it is. So let's, let's jump into the podcast now. So, uh, just like I did on your guys' podcast, you want to tell us generally what Tom talks about? We know it's a lot, it's similar for sure, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely similar. We started off, uh, well, a story about how it kind of started is, um, it was a it was a Friday night and it was really late at night. A couple pops were had and uh, me and Matt, the the guy I do the podcast with, it was me, him, and our two brothers and then another buddy. And we were late in the night and we were like seeing some podcasts, or whatever. And we we're like, oh, it'd be so hilarious to try one. So we were just doing them, like recording them on our phone that night. None of them got out anywhere, thank goodness. But then uh, <laughs> we called on the phone the next day and it was like, oh, that'd be kind of fun to try. And uh, so next week we we grabbed our phone, we put it on voice voice uh, recording, set it on the couch in between us, and we had a for our intro music we had the other phone like held up to the to the phone that was recording, and that was our music oh, no and way. the sound quality. You can you can go on YouTube and listen to our first couple. The sound quality is horrendous, but uh, but yeah, we we started off um, just talking about sports, like we were kind of doing just sports news. And we didn't really have many guests. We realized um, nobody cared about that at all, which is fair because we have irrelevant opinions. But um, then we started getting a bunch of guests and through connections, you're we getting more guests. And then uh, when COVID shut everything down, a lot of the athletes are a lot more willing to come on too. So we, uh, we've had a nice little run lately and our downloads have been looking good, but yeah, our podcast now I'd say is very similar to uh, the ones I've listened to from you guys. So. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a, a loaded question, but um, how long have you been doing it for? We are going on like a year and a half, I think. We, yeah, yeah, about a year and a half. Okay. Was there any like bumpy roads? Like, did you learn from any like big experiences, or how was that? 
yeah there's like there's to- so many episodes uh and i think you guys will find too like this is how me and matt always say like we're not buzzing this episode that's what we always say yeah. but uh we just did a couple interviews tonight and um liam howell he played for kitchener yeah. rangers last yeah. year we just interviewed him and i just felt like all my questions were so stupid mm-hmm. but matt kind of picked me up i thought a little bit and and it's gone vice versa but there's lots of lots of episodes and i think you guys will feel this too like a question will come out of your mouth and be like what the hell does that even like how do you answer that question what does that even oh, yeah. mean so 100%. um there's been lots of times like that and and lots of highs and lots of lows like we'll think we have a great episode and then we'll check out the downloads and the first couple of days is just brutal we're like what the yeah. like but then there'll be some surprising ones like we thought we're not getting any downloads on this and it's in our top 10 or something so it kind of goes up and down like that yeah, yeah it's definitely we- weird how that works because we have we have a few of the same same experiences yeah i think um with all podcasts but especially with us i think that we found find challenging is uh i'm sure you can relate but when like time to speak because i mean with two people i'm sure it's still difficult but it gets a little bit uh harder but with three people like mm. there might be a time where all of us want to jump in at once but that that's <laughs> something that we have to work on going mm-hmm. forward and be all right I'll jump in how have you noticed the transition into zoom because that's also a big part of it yeah that's that's what i was gonna say like you guys you, you've only ever done it on zoom right yeah yeah so we we've only our last like five episodes it's been over zoom so that transitions huge like the first episode we did on zoom I, like five times in a row we were like you think you, you don't really know when you're looking at somebody over zoom like i'm looking up in the top left but you guys don't even know who i'm looking at there so yeah we, so many times we'd both start and then at the same time we'd both be like go ahead brady go ahead matt and we'd say that at the yeah. same time and then we don't know who's supposed to be going after that so it's been annoying but uh we started just doing a little, you guys should use this too, a little just like tap on the left shoulder when you want to go next. And then we're kind of seeing that. So we're learning a bit that way. But yeah, every interview we've had, we've been together until the last five, except for the one I was on my honeymoon, I called in for it. But um, yeah, so so knowing when to speak is a tough one. But a lot of ours were over the phone first and we were together. So we'd be like sitting there like pointing back and forth oh yeah (laughs) given signals like that so it's uh it's hard and then zoom adds another element to that definitely yeah no it's it's definitely a learning curve like i mean the idea like we were like 15 episodes in but like from the start to now like we've drastically like found different ways but we're still even learning like that's a good idea with the shoulder thing like we Mm -hmm. always you know if you watch our past episodes like we always kind of bump into each other and it's it's hard when it's not one-on-one like person to person yeah so, I mean, yeah. I think that's just the whole thing with it, but no, it's, I'm enjoying it. And I mean, I love what, like listening to other ones like yours or, you know, yeah. podcasts are popping off right now. So it's awesome to, to kind mm-hmm. of have that, have that, um, the area to listen to and improve on. So, yeah. And you can learn from any other, like a podcast, like you guys are 15 episodes in we're 72 or something now and then there's like spit and chicklets is like two or 300 whatever so yeah yeah. but every podcast you can learn from and just try taking things from all those podcasts and yeah yeah for sure yeah and what um what were your inspirations obviously that came to your idea but are you guys both hockey players i know you played in wellesley and you're wellesley wellesley guy were you guys both hockey players was hockey always your thing or did that come come through podcasts 
yeah hockey and baseball like ho- hockey's both are kind of number ones i've i've we both love baseball and uh we never played football but we love watching the nfl too we're just big like big time sports junkies and every time we hang out we end up talking sports so that was i would say our inspiration that's why our podcast kind of started as like sports talk because that's just what we did and we're like oh let's just throw this in a podcast see what happens so yeah um yeah i played he, he, matt played too i played a bit of junior it was nothing special but um yeah Cool. And then uh, kind of last question, but uh, for people tuning into your podcast, who can they kind of expect coming up as a new as a new guest? Yeah, well, uh, Liam Howell, who we, we did tonight. And then uh, I don't know if you guys will know the name, Jonathan Blum. He played uh, played in the NHL parts of like five years. He was up and down. He was on Minnesota for a bit, Nashville for a bit. Um, and then he actually was on the team usa olympic uh men's hockey when the nhlers couldn't go because he was playing in the khl so we interviewed him tonight too and then uh chase stillman and uh brennan othman we're having them on together tomorrow probably so that'll be coming out in the next couple weeks but yeah yeah we're just uh we've had some luck with the ohl guys as you guys have ex-ohlers ohlers and uh yeah we're trying to expand we like we like some retired uh pro players those are fun if if we ever have a chance at any current pro players that's fun ohl is good it's just fun to have a nice mix like that yeah, yeah for sure and uh we all encourage everyone listening to tune into chump talk mm-hmm. and yeah thanks for coming on yeah thanks so much so do you what's going on right now what are you doing uh not too much just got back from work uh just kind of Got some courses I got to study for, so I'll be doing that after this. But uh, hanging out with some uh, some cool guys right now. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm working at a brickyard uh, here in Burlington. Uh, it's a place I used to work at in uh, in high school. Just kind of uh, going back there, so it's a lot. It's just basically moving brick and doing all that stuff. So just fun general labor stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, right. we kind of okay. sorry Matt, but we we read that you're uh, studying kin at Waterloo. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, going into my, it's technically my fifth year, but it's my fourth academic year. Co-op really messes things up, but uh, yeah, going to my last year in the, in the fall. Cool. Yeah, that's something I was in the back of my head. Like, I, I eventually want to get into university for Ken, and uh, um, so kind of, like, run us through Waterloo. Like, how's the program? Like, what kind of courses you take, like, on a daily or something like that? Just. Yeah, for sure. So Waterloo is more... Um, like their school is pretty prestigious and all that stuff, and especially the Kin program. It's been there for a while. Yeah, uh, a lot of people come in with with high expectations of the program. The program's great. Yeah. Uh, the issue for a lot of people is it's a lot more research based because it's just Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Um, so a bunch of people come in there looking for more practical, hands on courses. You really don't get that at Waterloo uh, yeah. until about your fourth year, your third or fourth year. Uh, but you know, you, it's a bachelor's of science, so you have to take all the, the general science courses and all that stuff. So yeah. a lot of people don't enjoy that, but I, I really love the, uh, the program at Waterloo. Um, really your first two years are kind of, they just give you courses. You have to general science courses you have to take, uh, but later on you get to take some, some pretty interesting courses. Um, like, you know, get really specific into, Basically, they branch off into either biomechanics, neuroscience, or nutrition. Okay. You get pretty pretty in depth depending on uh right. which one's 
field you want to go into. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that more and get into detail later, but we just want to start with right now and obviously the news that came out the other day and what, what are your initial thoughts of the OUA season being canceled already in June? Um, I'm pretty, pretty disappointed. Uh, it was kind of one of those things you, you kind of knew it was coming, but you're really hoping they're, they're just going to delay it until some miracle happened that we'd be able to play. Uh, it was supposed to be my final year, uh, especially with how we, we ended last year. We had big, uh, big, uh, metal hopes, um, you know, hoping to go to a gold medal game. Um, but then, you know, got knocked out of the bronze medal game. So we're a bunch of the boys were amped up to get back into it, get back to training and, uh, you know, just feel gutted for all the, uh, all of us returning guys who really don't get our last season, but it's been a fun ride. I've enjoyed my four years. So, uh, can't ask for too much more, I guess. Yeah. You play a really cool sport. Um, we haven't had anyone on the show yet who plays rugby, but would you be able to, uh, uh, go through your career with rugby and it, uh, we've researched that you've uh, you played football as well So is there any connection with that? Yeah, so I I started playing rugby in high school uh, it was Grade nine and it was just one of those things. I didn't uh, initially play uh, so rugby was a spring sport ball was a, uh, football was a fall sport didn't play any sports that year and uh, my math teacher was our rugby coach Okay. I just kind of went up to him saying like, Hey, I kind of want to do something, um, sports wise. Can I come try out for the team, uh, tomorrow, whenever the practice is. And, and so I got a, got a chance to start up in high school and been playing, man, I must've played close to 10, 15 seasons or so, uh, UW high school and then club seasons kind of all combined. Um, when it comes to with football, rugby's pretty similar in the sense of that sort of team atmosphere and all that stuff. So a bunch of the guys who I played football with, I tried to get to play rugby. Um, some football players are a little soft though. They don't want to, they don't want to tackle without pads. So <laughs> took some convincing to get the boys out there, but every, everybody I, I got to end up playing rugby from football said they loved it. Mm -hmm. They wish they played from, you know, grade nine or whatever they had the chance. So uh, rugby is definitely one of those sports that I think, needs to be sort of a lot of people need to try it more because yeah. you know it's not for everybody but for the people it's for it is really for them it really takes over your sort of whole lifestyle and you know it's it becomes a part of you kind of do sure. that's such a stupid cliche but it's 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 really true yeah no no it's mm -hmm. true and it's it's always cool because i mean i've dabbled in so many sports but rugby was always the one that i, I kind of wanted to try and didn't really get the chance to like my high school doesn't have a rugby team but um, I mean, it looks similar to football and it's, it's such a different game. Like, um, it's unique with the team aspect, but like, did you have any injuries along the way? Like it's, it's, that's the thing. It's so rough without the pads. Like I must, you probably have, where, where do you want me to start? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Give us some injury stories. Uh, so had shoulders are kind of the big one just because of the tackling and right. all that stuff. So I've separated my AC, both my AC joints. Oh, wow. Can't, I couldn't tell you how many times. Uh, those are kind of just like they, they happen through. The, the, another thing with rugby, especially at the university level, is you kind of never stop. So we start playing in, you know, our university season starts in the fall. So you, training camp starts in August. You go to about November. Uh, then once the season's done, you start playing sevens from January to uh, March. And uh, sevens is basically uh, – so 15s is the usual brand of rugby that you see um, – 
throughout kind of most of the world. And then sevens is basically the same sort of game, but instead of 15 players on the field, there's seven. Okay. A lot more space to cover, a lot more running. It is tiring as hell, um, <laughs> but it, it's also a pretty cool, um, pretty cool aspect of rugby. And then you get, right when you're done sevens, you're into your club season. So from May to August, you're playing club. So you, it's kind of an endless cycle of, like this past, this uh, summer is the first time I haven't been playing rugby for four years or something like that. Wow. So there's no so, off season. It's always just go to go, go. Yeah. You're kind of go, go, go. So the wow. injuries sort of pile up. So yeah, the shoulders multiple times. I've had two diagnosed concussions. Um, I tore my hamstring this past or a couple of years ago now. That was a rough one. Uh, and then you're, you know, a couple meniscus strains and, ankle sprains and all that stuff so yeah broken your stuff like that so <laughs> wow. i think it's really interesting to get the, the perspective from someone who's played both sports because there's a lot of controversy between football and rugby yeah um in your opinion how would you put uh well to start off for like background for people who are listening rugby rugby obviously has no you have no pads but um a lot of people say it is safe or as safe as football because of the technique and tackling right yeah now from someone who's played both sports how would you say uh the injury risk is uh connected so i would say in my opinion rugby is 100 percent safer mm -hmm. uh the the issue with football is like once you put a helmet on somebody they feel like they're invincible so mm -hmm. you, you've i'm assuming you guys have watched some nfl games the tackling is that's probably the worst tackling I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, these guys just kind of throw their body, you know, at them. And you got a lot of guys who just get, it doesn't take very much. You get your head in the wrong place one time and you know, there goes your career um, or your life, basically. Um, a lot of things with rugby, even though, yeah, you know, guys are more aware of their body because they don't want to smash their face against someone else's knee. But um, the rules around tackling um, have gotten a lot better in the sense that um you can't do a shoulder charge so that's basically in football where you see the guys just kind of targeting just yeah that as hard as they can you have mm. to make an attempt to wrap if you don't wrap it's a penalty um and a lot it's very strict now where they're giving you know uh, yellow cards and red cards so yellow cards are if you get a yellow card you're off for 10 minutes uh if you get a red card you're off for the game so you know if you don't wrap that's potentially a yellow card if you pick the person up and then what they call is putting them over the horizontal. So if they're basically, if their legs come up over where their shoulders are, uh, that's called a tip tackle or a dump tackle. That's a yellow card nowadays. Um, the last world cup they just had in, um, basically September. Uh, I think they, they blew like the, uh, the amount of yellow cards they gave in that tournament, uh, surpassed like one of the last four or five, uh, world don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. But yeah. There's a lot more emphasis on safety when it comes to tackling gotcha. uh, yeah. nowadays, especially with concussion risks and all that stuff. So, I would I would definitely argue rugby is is safer uh, than football. Yeah, because I I've heard that before with uh, with rugby players saying that. Because for a little background as well, Nate and I play football or played football, oh. so we. We got that background with, and we know exactly what you're saying. Like when you have the pads on, you feel like you can do anything. So yeah, yeah it is really interesting hearing, hearing another perspective when you're playing without pads. Yeah. 
And I guess when you don't have pads, you don't want to get hurt and the other guy doesn't want to get hurt. So you also have that in mind as well. Yeah, it's a lot like you're going you're going full out on everybody, but it's there's more of a again, it's just the rules and the way they teach like the way I was taught tackling in football um doesn't make any sense to me because they teach you to go your head across the body so that you know it's more important to make the tackle than make sure your head's not in the way of something mm-hmm. coming at you. Yeah. But in rugby, if you put your head on the wrong side, all it takes is for one guy to you know, hit you with a knee in the nose. Yeah. And there, there it goes. So. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So, uh, one thing that I'd like to jump in that we kind of touched, we didn't touch about, just you started in high school and, like, what what is that like playing sport? Like, for, like, I'm a hockey player, they're all football players, and they had the option to play when they were seven, right? And I had been playing in a league since I was six. What, like, what is it like in the rugby culture? And that, is there even leagues at that for people who are before high school? There, there are, um, there's a lot of like touch rugby stuff for, uh, for younger, like I think the youngest age you can be is like six or something, but it's very, it's not very well known. Like, I don't know many people, uh, that I've played with that didn't start before high school. Right. So it just seems like everybody's kind of starting at that level, uh, which, you know, is a blessing and a curse and the blessing in the sense that, all right, I don't feel too, you know scared yeah. by this sport because everybody's at the same level I am. Uh, but on the other hand, the quality of the game could be so much better if we started off at a younger level. Um, when I, like when I started, it was basically just one of those, I just want to try this out and man, it's the most confusing game. Uh, I, we, I, I don't know where I heard this from, but rugby's organized chaos. <laughs> and that's, I don't think of, that's probably the best way to describe it. It's the first two years of me playing. I didn't really know, really what was going on you kind of know all right if i get the ball i run straight someone's coming at me with the ball i tackle that's basically it right wasn't until grade 11 or grade 12 that i really started you know watching international games on youtube or you know when they come on to really understand okay when the ref does this this means that i should be doing this um usually you're just looking at you know when i was in grade nine anytime the ref would blow their whistle i'd look right at my captain and wait for them to tell me what to do and then i'd do whatever they tell me so (laughs) Um, and then you see that that happens a lot in high school because really in high school you only need one or two guys who actually know what's going on or are good at the game to you know take a team pretty far Um, at the university level obviously you need a lot more guys uh, like that but you you definitely do see you know when we get high school kids coming in who have never played club rugby um, usually they're not you know up to par with everybody else Uh, what club rugby does is usually start off uh on a lower level team so they usually have three teams depending on how big the club is so the first team is your your actual competitive team the second teams are your friend you guys who are kind of either working up or working down okay then your third team is basically a bunch of old boys who just love love the game and young guys that they're basically trying to blood um thirds games are so much fun as a young guy because you're just running around a bunch of old people (laughs) But uh, the amount you learn from them is insane. They teach you so much about the game uh, that you really didn't even know that, you know, you didn't know. And then you slowly make your way up. And those those are the guys who have been playing rugby for 30 years or so, 20 or 30 years, that teach you, you know, what you really need to be doing. Um, so the, the next question I had is obviously we talked about that. And just starting in high school, how and when did you realize you – you were good enough for it. You wanted to and could play at the university level. 
Um, I I know my I t- I did five years of high school as well, so I've been in school for a while. But okay. uh, I've uh, I think it was grade twelve when I was cause at that moment um, in grade twelve and grade thirteen. It was like, man, am I like, which one do I want to play? It was a big toss up between am I gonna you know try for football? or Am I gonna play rugby? Um, and it was a decision that I you know took me probably six, eight months to really sort of think about and like make, cause I, I at the time I loved both sports, mm-hmm. uh, equally, um, looking back at it, I think I'm crazy to think that I would have wanted to play football instead of rugby, but it was, you know, it was just one of those things when you play high school, you, you see the competition, you feel, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm decent. And then my grade 12 year, I played, uh, for, uh, Burlington Centaurs, their club team, for the first time at the U18 level, uh, and I think that's where I kind of realized that I could actually, you know, keep up with people that, um, you know, we're playing the the best players from each, you know, city or yeah. uh, whatever it may be. So you know, when you're playing those games and you you know you're not only just keeping up, but you're you know taking the lead in games and you're really you're kind of setting the tone. Um, that was kind of a big thing of like, all right, I think I can make it. Um, and it was just one of those, a lot of my club coach was really, was really big in that, that he kind of encouraged me to really reach out and um, really kind of push me to get better. Yeah. Um, and again, his big thing was for me to understand the game better. And he's, you know, your raw skills are there, but you need to understand kind of the little ins and outs of, you know, the sport that people would have, you know, if you've been playing since you were six, you would have learned, kind of throughout but uh with rugby it's almost like you have to just push yourself to you know watch watch international games which is mm-hmm. um was huge just kind of seeing you know what a professional level player at your position is doing to get yourself a better understanding of what's going on yeah fair enough there's there's always like i guess a blind eye like kind of just how i'm like describing it um because like obviously with football you, you, like you said like you'd have the kids that play like six years old and then it doesn't really get to that competitiveness um, level once you're in high school. And then at that point, like the kids are kind of like new to the game. And it, I guess it takes as many years to, um, you know, understand the full thing. And I guess my question is like, how did you get noticed enough? Like for, I guess, scouts or coaches to see like, this was the, the right guy for like you university rugby. So, Waterloo was, uh, when I first came into Waterloo, my first year, it was, the program was pretty, pretty trash. Uh, we, we went one in seven my first year. And, uh, from what I've been told, we went one in seven, probably two or three years before. Okay. So there wasn't a whole lot of scouting going on. It was just yeah. kind of one of those things where I looked up the roster, found the coach, emailed him. Um, and the coach actually, um, you know, the thing with rugby is connections are more kind of important just because, you know, there's no, like with Canadian football chat, football, like football guys can get, you know, scouted like that. There's not really anything like that for rugby. Okay. So I reached out to my, uh, to the coach at Waterloo and then lucky enough, he was actually, it was in the summer or I think it was like around May or something when I reached out and he was actually coming to play a game in Burlington the next week. Oh, no, uh, no. So he was able to, uh, like, I was able to, talk with him he was able to see me play and it was kind of one of those things you we kind of there's no real cuts on a on a university team like queens uh the best program in ontario has like six or seven teams 
Um, but really only the first three are competitive, the other four kind of they're recreationally or leisure, uh, whatever it may be. So what basically happens, you come, you, you, it's not that you try out is just you, you start practicing yeah. and, um, you know, you, your training camp, your week or two of training camp is your opportunity to show, you know, willingness to, to not only learn, but you know, that you're willing to play at a higher level. Um, and you, you really feel that that was a big thing that I was told when I was going to first come play in the OUA was how fast the game was, mm-hmm. um, compared to high school and club. And you don't really realize it until you you're playing in an OUA game and you know, things are flying around and you have, you know, you're trying to keep up with everything, but, um, so that was kind of a big thing. Training camp was huge. I think I had a really good training camp my first year, um, coupled with the fact that the team was bad, that gave me opportunities to basically take some, I was my first, I started my first game, um, uh, for Waterloo. Okay. Um, didn't start anymore. I only started one more that season, but I started my first game. Um, and I think that was because of how well I performed in training camp. Awesome. Now, if someone were to be, if someone were to uh, be really serious about playing rugby, like with football, if you want to go beyond university, you could try for CFL and go pro that way, or there's other leagues they can go with. But with rugby, what's the next step after, if you really want to play, what's the next step after university? So for the longest time, it was basically you kind of go play in Europe or go play in, um, in New Zealand or Australia, but now they actually got the, um, uh, the MLR, so the uh, major league. Uh, I'm going to mess this up. There's an actual pro league now okay. uh, in North America. Gotcha. So yeah. the Toronto Arrows are a part of that. I don't even know the name of the league. Wow, that's bad. <laughs> but uh, the Toronto Arrows are a part of that. Um, they just you know started up a couple, uh, I think a year or two ago. And there's teams kind of all over the states. Uh, so that's kind of the first pro rugby ro- rugby union uh, league in North America that has gotten a lot of a lot of guys I've played against uh, over the last four years are now either on the Toronto Arrows or um, some of the guys are out in Seattle or in uh, New Orleans. So that kind of is, again, another big step for rugby in North America is now actually having a, a pro league in North America that, you know, you don't have to be above, you know, you don't have to be the best player in the OUA to have a chance to go play in Europe. It's now, if you're, you know, high enough quality, you have a chance to play pro in, in North America. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, something that um, we, we've asked most of our university or even had NCAA guests hockey or football or whatever is what what's your day-to-day life and i think it'd be really interesting to see what the rugby is we've heard the football we've heard the hockey what's the rugby balancing student athlete so the rugby is it's in season it's pretty uh you know heavy like all that you know every other athlete is um we you know have your morning lifts um depending on when guys depending on your schedule with school uh, I wasn't a huge 6 a.m. lift guy, but, you know, sometimes you had to do that. But um, so there's your morning lift, your classes. And then we had practice from, um, depending on, you know, how the weather was kind of looking. Because I think in, in September, we usually went from 6 to 8. But then in October, we had to push it back just so we had sunlight. Um, 
but then you have practice from six to eight. You got to show up about, you know, an hour before to get ready, get uh, warmed up, get taped, all that stuff. Uh, then about an hour late, uh, hour after practice for physio and, um, you know, ice baths and all that stuff. And we usually did film session probably once or twice a week, okay. uh, depending on how the game went the week before. So it's not as heavy as some other sports are, um, really because there's not much with rugby that you can do film session wise. Um, unlike football where, you know, film is kind of your big, uh, way to scout the team, the next team with rugby, it's a lot more of, uh, working on, you know, your own system, your own defensive scheme, right. uh, try to improve that week to week. So there's only so much you can do, yeah. uh, how much in film you can see that'll help you. It's more about just kind of being on the pitch and kind of going from there. Yeah. It still sounds like a grind. Like that's, that's crazy. Like. Like, like especially being a student at university, I could imagine like how was your schoolwork with uh, rugby? Like, did you find it was hard to time manage, or was it fairly easy? I found I usually did better during my rugby season than uh, even though we did play sevens in in the winter season. Yeah, I just think the extra you know okay now I have to like I have you know two hours and I have to do my work was a lot better than you know having a lot more free time. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it's a weird thing. It's kind of, kind of counterintuitive, but you kind of just get lazy when you don't have other things going on. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get my assignments done, whatever. But mm-hmm. rugby was a big thing that kind of kept me on track and a little more structured. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. You, you had a bunch of guys in my year. There's two or three guys. We we're all in kin, um, and then you had a bunch of upper years um, who were in kin before you. So you know they kind of help you out if you have any struggles with that. So. Um, that was, that was always a big, big thing. Cause you could just go right before practice, you know, Hey, I got some questions. Could I ask you after practice and they'd be more than willing to help you out. But we, uh, in one of our previous episodes, we, we got the opportunity to interview Andrew Hoff and, um, he, he does a lot of work with, uh, Waterloo, the Waterloo program. So would you be able to talk about uh, how it was like working with him and that whole experience? Yeah, Hoff's great. Um, I did. Um, I ended up doing like an internship with him, helping out with the actual strength edition program. Um, a lot of his, because he's got a lot in his plate. A lot of his stuff is more with, uh, you know, there's tiers of uh, of athletics. So he's mainly focused with tier one sports, where uh, rugby, I believe, we're still kind of tier two, tier three kind of uh, area. So we didn't directly work with Hoff. We mainly worked with, um, you know, one of his interns or, uh, whatever it may be kind of gave us the program and helped us out throughout, but, uh, all the testing kind of was done with him and Hoff's great. He's awesome. He, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how that could be like, you want to talk about having stuff on your plate <laughs> that guy has like his own gym. He's got the St. Louis blues thing going on. And then all these sports at Waterloo. Um, so he was a great, great atmosphere builder. Um, I think that was kind of the big thing that he wanted to, when he came back to Waterloo to you know, become the head strength coach there was build an atmosphere of, of hard work and you know, that winning mentality. Uh, uh, Waterloo's come a, a long way in the four years. Uh, I've been there so far with how they, you know, how they treat their athletics. Again, Waterloo is meaning the, the academic school. So nobody kind of came here for sports. Yeah. Uh, unlike a Guelph or a Queens uh, or a McMaster. But now we're sort of getting used to sort of seeing, you know, new recruits come in that are, you know, highly touted. Um, and I think that 
a big part of it's due to him and what he's done for the the atmosphere of athletics. Yeah, that's really cool. I, we, we, he probably appreciates hearing that as well <laughs> if he listens to this episode. But uh, shout out my man, Hoff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you ever but just kind of wrapping it up, and we also want to thank you very much for for coming on today. But I guess the last question we have for you is, what's next on your journey? You said that you've your fifth year coming back, so definitely a lot of schooling. But yeah, what's what's going on next? Uh, probably more schooling, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I'm looking to uh, one of the things I've sort of become really interested in over the four years is is injury prevention. Okay. Um, and so Waterloo does a great job with. Uh, their ergonomics, so you know, changing, you know, workplace settings or all that stuff. I'm more interested with uh, sports injuries mm-hmm. and how, you know, we can make basically more of the strength conditioning side, how we can make athletes stronger uh, to help reduce the injury risk. So one of the one of the projects I'm hoping, hoping all this COVID stuff kind of passes through that I'm allowed to do this, uh, this basically it's my undergrad thesis, uh, looking at if training neck musculature can help reduce concussion risk. Okay. Um, so that's kind of an interesting topic that I want to look into. And I've looked into a few grad programs. Uh, University of Calgary has some cool uh, sports science stuff going on out there. A bunch of the, bunch of the schools out west kind of have that cool, um, that focus where Waterloo is more focused on either an aging population or a clinical population. Um, so right now it looks like that we'll see what happens in the next uh the next four to eight months see what happens but that's the plan as of now awesome uh, well that's awesome and we uh we really hope you have a good time with that and we wish you the best of luck sounds really interesting thank you. yeah thank you awesome cheers guys yeah take thank care you. thank you you as well